seated. We're looking at a text from John chapter 17. That would be on page 903 of our Pew Bible. And we're talking this morning about Jesus' vision for our discipleship, well, kind of in a new year that's coming. Now, I want you to think about this man, John, who's the writer. He was probably a very young teenager when Jesus called he and his brother James and said, follow me. And so John began to follow. And for three, three and a half years, he was just right next to Jesus, day in and day out. Then at the end of that time, at the time of the crucifixion, it was John who was the disciple that was there at the cross, and he was there with the mother of Jesus, Mary. And at that time, probably 17, maybe 18, 19, but still a teenager, no doubt. And Jesus said to you, to John, take care of my mother. She's your charge. And so this John now has been walking with Jesus since those teenage years. Well, now, now the other gospel writers have all written. Uh, they wrote theirs in the 60s, so it's 30 years later. And then it's another 20 years. It's almost the year maybe 90. John now is no longer a teenager. John's possibly in his 80s, maybe even into his 90s, and he's writing. He's writing a fourth gospel. And what he's doing is he's reflecting over everything that has already been written, and he's saying, what does the church really need that I experience to help Christians and the church go forward in strength uh, after all of us uh, apostles are gone. And so he records all of this that we call the Gospel of John. And then we come to the 17th chapter, and this is Jesus's last prayer. So it's the last prayer that Jesus is going to have with and for these disciples. And John, well, John's been telling the story of this prayer now for 40, 50 years. He's been telling this story. He writes it down. He writes it down so the church can have this as a permanent record of the things Jesus did on that last night in which he was betrayed and what Jesus prayed that last prayer uh, before he went to his passion. Now we come down in a moment, we'll get to about verse 17 and 18. We're going to look at three points. And the first point that we're going to see is that Jesus prays that you and I and all the people that ever followed Jesus, that we would be sanctified, that we would be sanctified in the Father's love. Then the second thing he's going to be praying for is that we would be shaped. We would be shaped in our lives by the truth of God, the Father's truth, that it would shape us for every aspect of our day-to-day our -day living. And then the last thing he's going to say is, you're sent. I, Jesus, have, have been sent to the world. I am now sending you, sanctified and shaped by the Father's love and word, I'm sending you into the world uh, in which you are going to be my disciples. 
So this is Jesus's vision, his vision for our discipleship. Follow with me now. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come, glorify your son, that the son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you've given me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave to me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, all mine are yours, yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me, and I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of perdition that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given to me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them, you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known 
that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Well, let's pray. Now, our great God, would you open your word by your spirit to us in our hearts, in our minds. May we reflect on these things of Jesus's vision and Jesus's prayer for us, that we could live for your glory and that we might have great satisfaction and joy in our life. And we make our prayer in Christ's name with thanksgiving. Amen. We look at this passage of Scripture, and the first thing that you see in John 17, 17, an easy verse to remember, 17, 17. Sanctify them in truth. That's Jesus' prayer to the Father. He wants the Father to be working actively and constantly in your life. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. It's a prayer. Jesus is telling us something in this prayer that it is the Father's work constantly to be working in your life. He is the one who is changing you. He is changing you from one degree of glory to another degree of glory in order to change you so that you might be like his son. It's the Father's work, and Jesus prays for that work. It's Jesus's vision for your discipleship that you would reflect sanctification in your life. It begins early. Uh, Paul says this about it in Philippians chapter one. Paul can say this, he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So you can have confidence in the Father's sanctifying of you. Have you come to faith in Christ? Have you trusted him for your salvation, then you have this promise from the Lord Jesus and from the Father that he who has begun this work in you is going to continue to work on you day after day until the day he takes you out of this world or until the day he returns. What does the Holy Spirit do? He comes to perfect in us all that Jesus came to accomplish for us. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit into the world in order to accomplish in our lives those things that would be, well, for our, our sanctification and to make us more like himself. Now, how do we know this is happening? How, how do we have a confidence in this? And the main thing we need to look at is to the Father's love. Do you see the Father's love for you in these words? He knows what's best for you. He loves you. He is at work in your life. Jesus is praying about his love being manifested in your life. And you can have confidence at all times in your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that the Father's love is working in you constantly, day in and day out. Now. Jesus knew this great love better than anybody. When you look in John's gospel and you read it through over and over again, you hear Jesus constantly saying, Father, I know that you love me. Father, I know that you hear me. Father, I know that you're with me. Father this, Father that. Why does he speak this way all the time? He speaks this way all the time because it was a reality. His life was a difficult life. 
He lived amongst people, well, as it says, the world didn't believe in him. It says that the world hated him. And yet, in the midst of all that, he knew the Father's love, and in the Father's love, he flourished. And we should have that confidence that in the Father's love, sanctifying us day in and day out, that we're going to flourish as Jesus did. Now, John writes about this. And in one point in John chapter 3, verse 16, probably the most memorized verse that we've got in our Bible, Jesus, or John summarizes Jesus' message. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus knew this. John knew this. How's your life going to be transformed? How is your life actually going to become more sanctified? Well, it's going to do this really in proportion to the thoughts that you have that God truly does love you. Now, if you really believe that truth, God loves you, then you begin to conduct your life in a manner that reflects that you know that love. When you love somebody, you seek to live in a way that pleases that somebody. You know, we just went through Christmas. I bet you some of you were stretched. I bet you wanted to go left at some point in time but your mate or your children or your grandchildren or whoever it was, you wanted to go left, but they needed you to go right. What, which direction did you go? Well, if you really love them, you forsake going left your way and you went the way they wanted you to go. Your life was conformed to their needs and desires. How does the Father change us? When we live in the light of his love, we live with a great sense that we want to please the one who loves us so much. And in living that way, our lives are conformed to that person's will and desires for us. We're sanctified. We're sanctified in the loving and in the doing of what the Father loves. Our catechism speaks about this. It asks a question. Sometimes we use it here in our liturgy. What is sanctification? It's, it's a good question. It has a brief answer. It's memorable. Sanctification is a work of God's free grace, wherein we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God, and we're enabled to die more and more unto sin, and we're enabled to live more and more under righteousness. Just a definition, but it tells us what the Father's doing. He's renewing us in the whole man after his nature and image. And in doing that, we're saying no to sin, and we're saying yes to righteousness. God's love sanctifies us. Now here's a young lady. The young lady, she comes and she says, I'd like to speak with you. I said, fine, let's 
make arrangements and we went to a place where we could sit and talk and she she said you know I've just finished uh, medical college of Augusta uh, I'm, I'm beginning my practice and there are things about my life that well that I need to talk about and so this person begins to open up about a life prior to her coming to faith in Christ in which she knew the things that she was doing were not pleasing to her family, were not pleasing to God, they weren't pleasing to anybody. It led to her having eating disorders. Uh, it affected her a great deal. Now she's on the threshold of a career and she's asking, how does my life go forward? Well, just simply sitting down and explaining to this young woman all that God has done for her in Christ Jesus and how much the Father loves her. Now her doubts were, how could anybody, how could anybody love somebody like me? How could anybody love somebody that have done the things that I've done? How, how is that going to work? Well, the truth of the word of God just simply saying this is what God promises. Look what God has done in sending his son Jesus. It's a demonstration of his love for you. And in spending time with this person, explaining these things to this person over and over again, this young woman came convinced. She became convinced that there was one who loved her soul and one whose love could shape her life. And just to be quite honest, I've got the privilege of watching that life for a long time. The life reflects the sanctification and the love of the Father. Then there was a case that just happened in this church right after I came here some 13 years ago. This gentleman came to our Sunday school, to the Canterbury Sunday School class, and then he came to our church and he began to sit in this worship service Chip met with this man named Bill Jones, and he met with Bill Jones, and he led Bill Jones to the Lord, and then Chip said, now he's yours. So he gave Bill, since he is in my age group, he gave him to me as a gift. Now some of you are laughing because you know Bill Jones. Now if I was to say something about Bill Jones, they're just in a, just a broad brush, you could say, what was this guy like before he became a Christian? The word difficult would be, well, that would be a euphemism. <laughs> that would be a very kind way of speaking. He was difficult. But you know what he came to understand? He had been forgiven. Not only did he come to understand he had been forgiven, he came to understand that he was loved. And in about five years of life. Why, this man's life was just absolutely shaped and transformed. Uh, people would come to me and say, is that the same Bill Jones? Yeah. His children would come to me and say, is dad putting on an act? Is he just getting ready to graduate and go to heaven? Or is that what it's all? No, it wasn't that way at all. The father's love had overcome this man and changed him 
and he thrived in the Father's love. Now, Jesus is praying. It's Jesus' vision for his, our discipleship that we would be sanctified in the Father's love. Now, the second thing we need to see is that Jesus' vision is that we would be shaped by the Father's truth. The scriptures say here, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. And so it's the truth that comes to us and begins to, to take an active part in our mind and our heart. We read the passage from Joshua chapter 1. Now Joshua's name is Jesus, or God is salvation. Joshua's name and Jesus' name is basically one and the same. But in Joshua, something had happened. Moses had died. The people were going into a promised land. They're going into the promised land and this man Joshua is to take over the leadership of the people of Israel. How is he to do that? How is he to go forward in life? Well, he's to go forward in strength, in, in, in endurance, and with bravery, knowing that the word of God, the truth of God, is going to lead him. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You'll meditate on it day and night. Then you'll make your way prosperous, then you're going to find good success in life by looking to the Word of God and reading it over and over again. You see here, John, Jesus is in the uh, process of making a great transition. He's leaving just as uh, Moses had left, and he's leaving the burden of the responsibility of carrying the church's mission into the world out to his own apostles and disciples, and he's praying for them. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Take this truth and learn it and live it and let it lead your life day after day. Here we are. It's 2019. We're leaving one year. And here is 2020 and we're on the threshold of it. And we're going to be called to live and we're going to be called to serve. How do we do it? By looking at God's word. Now, over and over again, the scriptures have the same message. It's repeated over and over. Uh, in Psalm 119, 105, it says, Your word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. In other words, as we look at the word of God, we know exactly where we need to go day by day. Paul says this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for all of these things in order that the man of God might be adequate and equipped for every good work. The Holy Spirit works with the word of God and makes us adequate for every aspect and dimension of life. Paul can say it in Romans chapter 12 that he beseeches us by the mercies of God to present our bodies as living sacrifices. And then he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the word of God, that it may give you the direction you need that you can live according to his holy and perfect word and will. Now, here it is, those, the scripture, 66 books that we have before us. Now, years ago, 
Years ago, I learned this quote. And the quote comes from a man by the name of Francis Bacon. Now, not many of us remember this character, but he was a great man in the English culture a few hundred years ago. And a famous quote by him, and you can find it, you can Google it afterwards, it'll pop right up. Reading makes the full man. That's the way he begins this quote. Reading makes the full man. Writing makes the exact man. Speaking makes the ready man. But it begins with reading. Reading the word of God makes your life full. If you don't give yourself to the Word of God, you don't spend time with the Word of God, then your life is going to be either empty or depleted. But it doesn't have to be that way. You have these Bibles, take them, read them. Reading makes the full man. Here's an example for you. A young deacon in the early church, his name was Stephen probably a man in his late 20s, maybe in his late teens, early 20s, this young man was a part of the church in Jerusalem. He's described in Acts chapter 6. Now, literally, it says he is a man full of faith. So it begins that way. He's full of faith. He's full of the Holy Spirit. Later in the chapter, it says that he's full of grace. He's full of power. Isn't this an interesting description of a young man? Full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, full of grace, full of power. Now he's on trial for his testimony of being a Christian leader. And when he's put on trial, it says the people that were trying him looked at his face, and it appeared as if his face was the face of an angel. Now, you're not going to find that in another passage of Scripture. But this man's face is described as being angelic. Then it goes on, and it shows that he has, I think it's the longest chapter in the book of Acts, chapter 7, where he just goes from the beginning of God's dealing with his people Israel all the way to the present time, 55 verses of chapter 7 is just the knowledge of the Old Testament recited in a case of, of a trial. And at the end of this, it says of Stephen that he was full of the Holy Spirit, full of forgiveness, and full of love. <clears throat> what was the nature of this man? Here was a man who gave himself over to knowing the word of God. Thy word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. And this man, Stephen, availed himself of the word of God and his life was shaped. You know, 2020 is here. 2019, for many in this church, was a difficult year. 2020 is upon us. Um, there are health issues for some of us. There are career issues for many of us. There are child-rearing issues. 
There are political issues. There are all manner of things that are going on in your life, in the life of your loved ones, the life of your associates. And we're not sure what is going to be the outcome of a new year. Now, about 1939, there was the King of England. His name was George VI. Uh, all of France and all of basic Europe had been taken over by the Nazi Germans, and they were now threatening to come into Great Britain. And the King of England got up to speak before the nation with a radio broadcast in 1939 on Christmas Day. He spoke to the nation. At the end of his speech, he quoted a poem that I've quoted here before, and that poem is called the gate of the year. And the king quotes this, this ending of the poem, and he says, I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. That was the request. Give me a light that I might tread safely into the unknown. <clears throat> then the poem continues, the man at the gate of the year said to me, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. It is better to you than a light and safer than a known way. Putting your hand in the hand of God is better than a light. It's safer than a known way. We're going forth into an unknown future but we have a God that we know and a God that knows us and a God that loves us. And so 2020 needs to be a year that's shaped by God's love and God's truth. Now the last thing that we see here is Jesus has sent us. It's his vision for our discipleship as he has been sent into the world that we are being sent by him into our world. Christmas is the story that God sent his son into the world. But this Jesus now sends us, as it were, as a Christmas gift into the world. We are sent. As I have been sent by the Father, I am now sending you into this safe, self-same world. And I'm sending you to go in my name. What does Jesus say of us? You know, Jesus had said he's the light of life, but what does he call us? The light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. We are sent into the world to make a difference. As we know the love of God, as we're shaped by the truth of God, we can make a difference in this world in which we live. This is Jesus's vision. This is Jesus's prayer. Now again, we're looking at this new year. I was sitting here on the six o'clock service Christmas Eve. Chip looked out at the congregation and he said this, these services used to both be filled and packed. It wasn't filled, and it wasn't packed. And we've been talking about this as a staff. We need to talk about this as a church. This 
Older churches are on some kind of a decline. Why are they on a decline? Would you like the answer? I have it. It's right here. We've lost Jesus' vision for our lives. We've lost Jesus' purpose for our lives. We are sent into the world. We're not given all this for ourselves. We are given these things that we go out into the world and make a difference. Do you want good theology? I know some of you are really wanting to be experts in theology. Well, here is good theology's beginning point. Do you have a vision that you are sent to reach the world? This is the Great Commission, is it not? You are not for yourself. You are for Jesus' use in reaching this world for which he came and for which he died. So send I you into the world. Now, just in closing, here's a question for you. Why don't we do this? Why are we, in a sense, lackadaisical enough this? I, I can't speak with such authority about this, but I have my suspicion, and my suspicion is this that there at that very foundational point of Jesus' vision, we have a weakness. And that weakness is this, that we're not sure about the Father's love for us. If you're not sure about the Father's love for you, you're not going to be free in going and carrying out this mission of Jesus into the world. If you don't think the Father really loves you, then how can you go to somebody else and talk to them about the love of the Father? In fact, there's another part of this. You may not be certain that you even love the Father. You may not even be certain that you love Jesus. And if that's the case, you're certainly not going to be carrying out the Great Commission. So there's a foundational issue that has to be addressed here. Now, how do you address it, especially in a minute? Here's how you do it. John. John. The guy who wrote this. John. He was a teenager. He grew up. He became a man. He became a very old man. At the end of his life, you know what he was saying? Little children love one another. That's what he was saying. Why not read an expert witness? Why not give yourself in 2020 to an expert witness of the love of God? John wrote a gospel. John wrote three epistles. John wrote the book of Revelation. In all of them, he is the witness to the Father's love for him. And he is a witness of his love for the Father and his love for Jesus Christ. Why not just in 2020 give yourself to the reading of John's gospel and let the love of Christ 
constrain you. And then you'll be all of the witness that you need to be, sanctified, shaped, and sent into the world. Well, let's pray. Now, our great God, these are things that we all know, but yet there are things that we all need to hear, and we need to reflect on them. Jesus's vision, Jesus's prayer, in Jesus's new year. Bless us now as we come to you in Christ's name, amen. Let's stand and sing our concluding hymn of the year in Christ alone.